Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. The podcast that's more 90s than an umbop. Bop, now do wop, do it all now, do wop, but people talk about you. Yeah, yeah. What was an umbop? My name's Ash Rose, your host and guide on this, the original 1990s football podcast. Thank you very much for joining us once again and hitting that download button harder than the emotion it took out of Paul Gascoigne when he was dropped from Glenn Hoddle's England squad. More of that to come. Hope you're enjoying the current content we are putting out. Uh, you may have noticed there hasn't been a this week in the 90s this week. Um, scheduling problems. Um, also, not the juiciest week in 90s football, if I'm, if I'm honest, uh, to talk about. Um, we're in that lull, I suppose, end of season before tournaments started kicking off in the 1990s. But instead, we're giving you a full-length show just because we love you that much, we thought we'd give you a full-length show just to replace the fact that this week in the 90s won't be around this week. But we'll be back early next week. Don't you worry, Joel and Matthew are already geared up and ready to go for another slice of 90s action on that one. But if you haven't listened to it already, go back and listen. We've done 11, I think, this week in the 90s. They don't age. Some of the references might, especially when Matt and Joel talk about the 80s. But no, we talk about what happened this week in the 90s, brought to you by Live and Kicking. Get on your feed and listen to that, as well as our last Fall M show. It was our first slice of international action as we look forward to the World Cup. What, two, three weeks away now? Very, very exciting. We spoke to the great John Devling and looked back at kits. Yes, it was a kit podcast. What can I say? I love kits. And it was a pleasure to talk to the oracle of kits, of course, John Devlin, as we look back at kits in the 1990s uh, from the World Cup. So we looked at Italia 90, we looked at uh, USA 94, the beautifulness of USA 94, and then 1998, and gave our thoughts on all the kits from those World Cups. So have a listen to that. And also, get yourself buying John's new book. Um, It was released last week, I think, and it's like the number one bestseller in the sort of sports section on Amazon. So well done to John on that. True Colours International Football Kits, the illustrated guide. Buy it now. Number one bestseller in world football, football references, graphic design books and fashion history. Well done, John. And yeah, have ch- check out the podcast that we did with John on that one. I'm just looking at that illustration of that USA 94 kit. Oh, there's your bingo card ready already for you. Uh, today, what are we talking about today then? We're continuing the international theme. Yes, we are. We're counting down and we're kind of jumping on the bandwagon of the England squad announcement last week and picking our own England squad. But as this is a 1990s football podcast, there of course is a 1990s twist. So the idea is we are picking an England squad from that decade. Now that doesn't mean from the two World Cup squads, because of course there were only two because we didn't qualify for 94. um, And I thought picking from 1998 kind of limits what we were doing. So instead we are picking a 23-man squad for an imaginary World Cup. Host it where you like in the 90s. I would say America, just so I can relive USA 94 once again. And we're picking 23 names. And the only rule, there is one rule on this, is that they've had to have a cap in the 90s. So yeah, there are obvious names that will get picked. There's no spoilers in saying certain individuals in goal up front and in midfield and defence will be on your lips and in your mind already. But uh, anyone is eligible. So I'm looking at you, Barry Venison. Yeah, even if you're eligible, even that great mullet of a haircut is eligible for our England team. I'm not saying you got in it, but uh, there's more to come from the guys. Um, Talking of which, yeah, the guys, who was on it? Who's choosing this England squad with me? Well, 
I can't really do any podcast here on Live Kicking without the great Joel Young. He'll be joining us as per usual. And we've got Sid Lambert back on the show as well. King of the Twitter sting from proper football on Twitter. I'm sure you follow it. Um, they will be helping out. And we're all, and we, don't, we haven't chosen 23 each uh, in essence because that would take far too long. We, uh, we've got our own squads, but as a majority, we will agree on the 23 names on our 90s imaginary plane going to the World Cup. All you had to do is play for England in the 1990s. So, yeah, that is today's show. And why don't you get involved? Um, listen to who the 23 that we pick, because there's a couple of names I'm sure you'll be surprised that and won't be on all your list. And pick your own squad. Pick your England 23 of the 1990s. Do it on your phone on the notes section and take a screen grab or go all retro and do it on a pen and paper. Take a picture and tweet us at AK90s who you would have in your 23 from the 90s. Not only do Joel and Sid join me, we've also got Alan Shearer on the show. Oh, yes, Alan Shearer, alive and kicking, baby. Um, it's a little bit of a cheat, I will admit. I like to be honest with you guys. Um, I spoke to him for my day job at Kick Magazine, the UK's biggest selling magazine for kids. Cheap plug. Uh, so the interview is skewed towards World Cup 2018, but I was allowed, or I kind of pushed, for a little snippet of his memories from 1998 and playing with Gary Lineker for England as well. So that's come into that on today's show. Alan Shearer joining us on Alive and Kicking. How amazing is that? Uh, just finally, just reminds me to say just a little bit of the housework. If you want, if you want to support the show, please do join us on Twitter at AK90s. But what really, really does help us, oh, we're on Facebook as well, but more of a Twitter weapon of choice for us. But what does really help us is a rating review on iTunes. So if you're a subscriber that way, if that's the way you listen to your podcast, give us a rating and review. It really, really does help us keep the show going and do some more exciting things in the future. Speaking of which, we are possibly doing one in conjunction with a new bar. Uh, that's opening in London. It's called Golazzo, a perfect name, and it's themed around 90s football Italia. How brilliant, what a brilliant idea is that? We're possibly going to do something with it. Um, when more information will become available, when the you know the T's are crossed and we've dotted the I's, but we're in talks to do some sort of, um, sort of connection with them uh, on the launch night. It's opening over the summer, I think the end of July. Um, you can follow the guys now. They've got a Twitter page already. It's Golazzo London, at Golazzo London. Um, so yeah, follow those guys and keep an eye on their Twitter feed. Keep a, an eye on our Twitter feed for some news on how we'll be helping each other out, I guess you could say, uh, upon launch night of the bar, which I think is in Camberwell Road in uh, South East London. So my route, South East London as well. So yeah, themed around football, Italia in the 1990s. Sounds like a perfect evening, doesn't it? All 90s football, there'll be... Uh, Pizza by the Slice, Italian Craft Beer, Life Size Gaza, Nessa Dormer in the Toilets and a Panini Sticker Ball. Sounds like one of my 90s dreams, but it's coming to life in London this summer. So check it out at Golazzo London on Twitter. But first, check out today's show. Yes, that's pick out England 23 of the 1990s with myself, Joel Young, Sid Lambert and a little bit of Alan Shearer. Enjoy the show. Sit back and enjoy a nostalgic ride through the decade that truly changed the face of football. If the 90s are now retro, then it's time for a celebration. Welcome to Alive and Kicking, the 90s football podcast. 
Welcome back to Alive and Kicking. We are getting in the international World Cup spirit. Gareth Southgate picked his England squad last week. We are picking our own. But none of this Harry Kane or Jack Wilshire or Joe Hart nonsense. We're talking 19... Well, it was none of that for him as well, being oh, fair. Oh, wait. Calm down, Joe. Yeah, you'll hear that voice in a minute. Um, where we've interrupted my intro now. But yeah, we are picking an England squad from the 1990s with one rule and one rule only... They have to have played for England during the decade. So we're not just picking 1990 squad, 1998 squad. Clearly, there was no squad in 1994 anyway. All you have to do is put on an England cap during this decade. And you're in contention for this squad. So that's meet my fellow first team coach, assistant managers. The, yeah, whatever we want to call them. Or they could be, we could all be managers. We could be the Taylor, the Hoddle, the Venables, the Keegan, the Robsons. All rolled into one. Firstly, he's always here. You've heard his voice already. He's a social media mogul. We love him to bits. Mr. Joel Young. How you doing, Joel? I'm very well, thank you, Ash. How are you? I'm I'd very... sooner not be Keegan, thank you. Yeah, no, be, I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't label you roles that. To anybody. I don't think I even mentioned him in my intro. I kind of forgot he sneaks in at the end because we did speak about him a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, he's not really relevant to, to the 90s as much as the others are they as, as managers. And, and joining us as well for the first time in a while, it's... King of the Twitter sting. He goes viral more times than that dog that was doing sort of somersaults on the beach I've seen last week. That, went that was good, that. It was quite, yes, yeah, yeah. But this guy goes more viral than that. Well, that sounds a bit wrong, but in a good way, <laughs> he is author uh, Mr. Sid Lambert. How you doing, Sid? Yeah, I'm doing well, Ash. That dog's far more talented than I am, in fairness. That's a, a very lofty comparison you've put on me there. I don't um, know. I'm doing all right, thanks, mate. I've just about recovered from that absolute disgrace of a cup final at the weekend. Wow, that's just cup finals. I was having this discussion with my father in on saying that since 1990, maybe there's been about three or four finals worth watching. They're always drab, aren't they? Dud affairs. Well, the thing was, if you'd, if this was the 90s and you had a five o'clock kickoff, by half time, I'd have been watching Baywatch. Yeah, followed by the new <laughs> adventures of Superman. Yeah, totally. Oh, wow. Lois and Clark. Lois and Clark. What a delight. Yeah. Classic. Like, like Chris Evans was watching Baywatch that time when he got MTV'd. Yeah, MTV. Oh, God, we are keeping it 90s. Love it. Yeah, yeah. it was yeah, Dirgid affair. Well, I would say in that, May Night Chelsea 94 was pretty much Dirgid because it was one-sided, wasn't it? But at least there was a few The 4-0, no, that was quite good fun, that. Yeah. Well, it was for a... The, the Liverpool game was worse than, oh. like, was that 96? Yeah, yeah. The, United yeah. Liverpool. They can't now score through yeah. the crowd. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure we've talked about that a couple of times here on Alive and Kicking. Um, but that, we're talking international now, so... This is how it's kind of going to work. We've, we've all picked a squad, but we're not going to go by position because we would be here literally all day. And I don't think anyone's got time in their day to listen to 23 names from each of us. So we're going to go by position and we're going to kind of discuss who we think should be in and out. And then majority rules, who goes on the plane to our imaginary 90s World Cup. I like to think America are hosting this one as well because it'd be the most fun, the most 90s World Cup. But up to you where you want to place the World Cup that we are imagining. And Sid, so... today, Sid today posted the opening titles of World Cup 94 Grandstand, didn't you, Sid, with a bit of Des? Oh, it was magic, wasn't it? Magic. The uh, West Side Story um, theme tune. America, then, America yeah, yeah. Yeah, with a little bit of Des, just three or four seconds at the end. Glorious. Absolutely See, glorious. It is, and I had that on cassette. I remember buying America because it was obviously the theme for BBC. But I am a sucker for the ITV theme tune, which I'm sure one of us will tweet at some point, which is Gloryland, because it's so ridiculously cheesy glory land in glory land <laughs> it is it, it's not up there with you are the number one which obviously precedes it they're probably in, still in that kind of power ballady paul young-esque 
I think it's a gospel choir for Glory Land. I had that cassette as well. They kind of turned the ITV logo to look like the World Cup USA 94 logo. So yeah, that that's, I, I think that wins. It's very rare ITV wins over BBC when it comes to sort of any sort of coverage, but that for me was was, was special. So yeah, well, I, do like said... the new, I do like the new BBC thing with the embroidery. Yeah, that's very good. 680 different embroidered bits of stuff. And without, do you know what? Two of them are sitting in my office right now. What, have, you got two, have, you got, have you got one? Oh, yeah. You know, we know when I was dropping names about being at the BBC last week, they, they all gave yeah. us a couple. So, yeah, I've got a uh, one with Maradona and Roger Miller on it and one with Mo Salah. Oh, check him out. Straight on eBay. I know. I haven't even tweeted that out yet, but I might later. So, yeah, check out the Twitter. Oh, here we go. Yeah, yeah. lovely. Yeah. So, yeah no, you, you might be the first person in the history of man to use Roger Miller and Mo Salah in the same sentence. <laughs> Surely not. They're both... African footballers, surely they maybe have maybe somebody's talked uh, uh, to them in the same ilk. Maybe I don't know. I, I'd have to check the data on that one. Yeah. I'll, I'll get back to you. I don't yeah, know if Roger Miller was ever African footballer. Yeah, I don't think they had it that sort of in that era, did they? I can't remember them having it, so maybe not. Well, he lived. He lived till he was about 103, <laughs> so he probably had a decent chance. Well, let's face it. If Cameron <laughs> I think he was 100. I think he was about 103 at the 1990 World Cup. Yeah. Wasn't he? If Cameron <laughs> were in this World Cup, he'd probably still be make the squad, wouldn't he? Let's be honest. <laughs> well, let's see who's making our squad. Oh, segue. That was good. Uh, please with that one. Um, so let's start with goalkeepers. I thought the best way to do this is just go around and say the obvious shoe-in for each position. And so starting in goal, I mean, I would assume, as I'm going to assume a lot on here, the obvious shoe-in is Mr. David Seaman for the first spot. I don't think there's any arguments from you guys. I think from, I think just to be safe, I, I would like to say we've all got Seaman. Yeah, I would say. See, Seaman. Well, listen, there's, this was the easiest decision of the whole lot because yeah. David Seaman, apart from being, obviously, uh, christened safe hands um, and known for his sort of legendary performances at Euro 96, he was very rarely injured either. So yeah. basically, there, there was almost no one else to choose because whoever you chose had no chance of playing. So with that in mind, I'm choosing Ludek Miklosko. <laughs> <laughs> hey, he wasn't number one for the Czechs. It was old Jan Stayscale for the beginning of that decade. QPR He's drop. Disgraceful. <laughs> um, but no, David Seaman, I mean, he was third choice for, in 1990, wasn't he? Until Dave Bassant came and replaced him because um, he was injured during the tournament. Then obviously, first choice for pretty much the whole of the decade. So, how could we not choose him as our first choice goalkeeper? Uh, in my squad, the other two, I've kind of ignored Peter Shilton because I think he was coming at the end of his career come 1990 and probably could have got to that Andres Brain with three kick in Italy, if we're honest. Um, so I've gone Nigel Martin and Tim Flowers for my other two. Uh, two stalwarts, unlucky to be in that era. Could have been number one in any other era. Probably easily could just breeze in today's England squad. Um, so what, where are you two at? Let's go to you first, Sid. What other two did you pick? Well, I agree with you on Peter Shield, and I still haven't forgiven him for that. That ball was up in the air for about six and a half minutes, wasn't it? Before yeah. it came oh, down. Yeah. He, had, he could have run to the halfway line and back and still caught it. Um, so, no, I've never actually forgiven him for that one. I felt bad for Paul Parker as well. It got the deflection off. Um, yeah, Flowers, Martin, and it really was. Like I say, you could pick anyone, really. They're not going to play. Um, they're, they're two good choices. I'll, I'll opt for Tim Flowers, head and Nigel Martin, just because he kissed Jan Argofjordtoft on the lips. Oh, mate, you've you've absolutely lifted my line. I was at that match. <laughs> I was at that game where you've absolutely lifted it from me. Yeah, when they were snogging on with each other when we beat them. They were the champions of the Premier League, and we've been the champions of the First Division as was. 
And yeah, they had, we beat them 2 0. We had a bit of a snog as well, yeah. This was Did the you soft score that day? Uh, oh, I can't remember. I think he might have done. Yeah, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I was definitely there. Um, you you yeah. and me have got a history over Jan Fjordsoft, yeah. haven't we? Yeah, because underrated you, 11. You, yeah. you, you called him an ace goal getter and he got like 10 goals. goals. I like 10 goals. Ace like goal getter. Doesn't take much good, in Middlesbrough, does it? He had a, he had a, very, good, um, he had a very good celebration when he scored his, his flying Dambusters thing. Actually, we used to play when he scored at the Riverside. We used to play the theme off Dambusters. Which was quite good as he sort of wheeled around doing his aeroplane thing. Yeah, nothing wrong with Yanfio, nothing wrong with Tim Flowers. And uh, but my other keeper, just just for the laugh of it, is old Calamity James, because um, he had a very comical injury, didn't he? Didn't he do his knee playing PlayStation or something? Uh, yeah, wasn't that later? In, wasn't that the two thousands? I think. It might have been. Yeah. Who knows? I'm going to have to veto that one on yellow card rules. He pulled. Hold on, I've got it now. He, uh, sorry, David James once pulled a muscle in his back when reaching for the television remote control. He also tweaked his shoulder when trying to land a monster car. Oh god! There you go. <laughs> Terrible. And also, doesn't he play? Wasn't it the Denmark game where he played computer games and didn't feel up for playing, and then he lost four yes. 0 And yeah, so I don't think we can have him. I don't. I'm not having that wild card. I just wanted him for. I just wanted him for comedy oh, reasons. I mean, no... you know, like Sid said, he's not getting his game. Oh, yeah, but, but in, in all honesty, Ash, you are spot on. Flowers and Martin, two tremendous keepers. I mean, Flowers in the mid-90s was, was probably every bit as good as David Seaman in terms of, you know, he was superb. There was, what was that brilliant game he played for Blackburn uh, on the route to Newcastle. the title? Newcastle. Newcastle yeah. away. It was basically uh, one man against 11. Probably up there with one of the best ever goalkeeping performances in the Premier League. Very, very unlucky. When, was that the game when Graham Fenton scored for Blackburn was that that one uh, I think that he, was might Geordie, been the... he was a Geordie yeah no, that might have been the season they lost it for New Year uh, yes it could have been yeah. no it could have been yeah it's, I know he talked about bottle a lot afterwards that was the bottle yeah. interview that he said oh you talk about yeah bottle, it was yeah. it was the season before that game it yeah. was uh Blackburn sort of stumbling a little bit on the way to the finish line uh needed to grind out a couple of results and they got one uh, at Newcastle I think and um yeah, it was all about Tim Flowers that day, but tremendous goalkeeper. Okay, well, that's our three then. Let's go with that with uh, Dave Seaman, Tim Flowers and Nigel Martin. Uh, two and three, you can interchange how you like. Like you're saying, they probably won't play with Big Dave um, in goal doing the thing for England. Okay, defence. Um, I'm not going to say should we pick six or seven. Let's just see how we go in terms of um, how we want to balance the squad. I've gone for five strikers. Spoiler alert. I don't know if you guys feel the same but let's, let's start with defenders um, I think shoe-in wise I would easily say for me I've got two particular shoe-ins let's get my list up um, right back for me has to be Garrett, Gary Neville so he would be my first shoe-in and then my first centre-back would be Tony Adams any arguments firstly from you Mr Young no not at all I've got Gary Neville and Tony Adams written down in my they were in my First choice to 11. So there you go. Yeah, uh, absolutely no complaints. Tony Adams, absolutely um, blood and guts, tough tackling, everything you want in a centre-back, epitomised it. England captain for quite some time as well. And uh, Gary Neville, although he didn't, did he, he played at Euro 96, didn't yeah. he? He was, he was established in the side by then. I don't think Phil came in until afterwards, did he? But yeah, obviously... Uh, represented their countries with distinction, shall we say? Yeah, and uh, interesting. I found that Gary Neville didn't wear the number two shirt at World Cup '98. I didn't realise that until I was looking into these squads. He wore the number twelve, even though he played as the number as the recognised. Um, well, he was right centre because 
uh, Coddle played the three-five-two, didn't he? I suppose so. He yeah. wasn't. He wasn't. He wasn't allowed the number two shirt in terms of that natural position. I'm always up for squad numbers. Right back number two. That's always in my book. Um, Sid, I imagine you've got no arguments with them too. Um, I'm thinking left back. The two. If you've got two left backs again, I think in the '90s there's only two names. How about I'm? I'm assuming again you've got the two that everybody else has. Well, uh, obviously Stuart Pearce. Yes. Um, goes without saying. Uh, um, worth remembering that Pearce's career, even outside at international level, had quite incredible longevity. Uh, he came to West Ham, I think, in 99, or was it 98, 99? I can't remember. Uh, and I think he won our Hammer of the Year, which probably says a little bit about the rest of the squad. But um, <laughs> he was um, uh, tremendous longevity for a player who put an incredible amount of impact and pressure on his body with the way he played. Uh, but, yeah, qualities, leadership, determination, um, obviously sensational from free kicks, uh, the the guts he showed at that special moment, which I called right on my first experience, my first appearance on this podcast. Ash, my favourite goal of the nineties was that penalty he took in a penalty shootout. Ah, um, yeah, which I mentioned on here some two or three years ago. Uh, yeah, he's a shoe in for me. I've got a little bit of a. Um, a fun choice for my reserve left back. Okay. I'll let you go to Joel first. Okay. Well, I think Graham Lasso is the obvious pick. Um, you know, came in that late nineties. I remember him scoring that amazing goal uh, in the Umbro Cup in 1995 against Brazil, and he became the natural successor to Stuart Pearce. Tony DeRigo. Hold on, hold on. Here we, here we go with with uh, you know the bingo card. Everybody bingo cards at the ready. Go on. That was the Janino game. Oh, the Janino. It was. He played in that game, didn't he? Yeah. That's how, come, that's how come we signed him. That was the first time Brian Robson saw him play, in fact, and decided that he wanted him for Borough. Mm. I went to the unbroke at the first game in that. I think Stan, Stanley Victor Collimore made his England debut against Japan. That was one of my birthday presents because my birthday's in June. I remember that being around my birthday and it was a tough, I think, really dull game. I think we won 1-0, 2-0, maybe. I can't remember. But it was Collimore's yeah, debut. Um, okay, so I'm saying Lasso gets in the squad. Um, we've got a uh, sort of left-field choice that Sid's going to line up, but how about you, Joel, for reserve left-back? I said Graham Lassau. I went there. I've always been, was a fan of him, very much so Blackburn, part of that title-winning um, side. And he was very, he offered you something different to Pierce, I think. I think he was probably, whereas Pierce was all passion and, and tough tackling, I think Lassau was probably a bit more graceful and could do you more going forward. So, yeah, always a fan of Graham Lassau. The thinking Plus, man's you know, footballer. Push, you know, yeah, a bit intellectual, read yeah. the Guardian. <laughs> Don't tell Robbie Fowler. Um, I go on then. Well, that's going to be majority rules, unfortunately, Sid. But who would the name you're going to throw into the mix just to, for argument's sake? I just wanted to mention for a guy whose left peg could sort of unlock your front door from 20 yards, one of the best set piece guys in the business, Andy Hinchcliffe. Oh, well, yeah, oh. it's not without his merits. It's not without his merits. I agree. Um, selected for Glenn, well, for the certainly the first half of Glenn Hoddle's reign as England manager. It was all built around that 3-5-2 with Hinchcliffe on the left. Um, strange one in that when you think of Andy Hinchcliffe, you never actually think of him moving. He's always stand. <laughs> he's always standing above a dead a dead ball, a corner kick or a free yeah, kick. Yeah. But um, he was uh, he was a linchpin of that Everton side, the Dogs of War. I mean, the, just that flurry of crosses, just that constant supply chain for the likes of Duncan Ferguson and Paul Rideout. Um, yeah, Graham Lasso was a better player. I just like players that are good at one single thing, and Andy Hinchcliffe was brilliant. Uh, uh, taking a set piece. Yeah. I was going to say I don't like him as a commentator. No, he's not great. No, he's not. He's not the best commentator. He Very one-dimensional. He was part of the 
the kick, um, the kick, there's there's me, there's Freudian slip, the Corinthian figures of the first range of them, he was part of that, so it shows you he was, you know, in the minds of England at, the, at that time, so I think he's part of that, although so is David Unsworth, and I think he only got one, maybe two caps for England, yeah. One game, I think, yeah. yeah, one game. Okay, so we've got kind of, that's our kind of back four, um, I think there's a name definitely that you're going to have Sid in this, because I've picked him, because you'll never beat him, and I think he has to be in this. Um, do, am I right in thinking that Des Walker is part of yours, Sid? 100% yeah. correct. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Never beat him. Never, ever. Ex- unless you mark over, Mars. Yeah, well, that was later in his career. So, yes, yeah, so my so reserve centre-backs, I suppose you could call them. I went for uh, Des Walker and Sol Campbell. Um, so, Sid's got Des. Joel, any, any other names you want to throw in the mix? Oh, I went Des Walker. Uh, now driving a lorry, which made me feel a bit really? sad. <laughs> yeah. Sure, he's got um, more to give bit, to the game. I did a bit of a, I did a bit of investigation, and yeah, now he's driving lorries. Which oh. I was just, I don't know. I just think, you know, a man with that colossal amount of talent playing in the not too distant past, um, driving lorries, unbelievable. Um, yeah, my other name, and you might not like this, but no? the Middlesbrough connection again, Gareth Southgate. He's, no, he's in mine. He's in mine too. So. I always thought that. I think that in. Uh, I think he was probably. I wouldn't want to say the best player of the tournament in Euro 96, but he was definitely the most surprising. I think most people didn't particularly know about him. And when he was at Palace, he'd all, he played as a midfielder a lot of the time. And then when he went to Villa, he moved back um, in that three with uh, Paul McGrath and Ugo Ekiog. And uh, I thought he was wonderful at Euro 96, and I thought he, he did a wonderful um, job for England right the way through, apart from the penalty and then making copious amounts of cash from our misery. Yeah, Pizza Hut. And he could also play in midfield. And he also started his career at right-back, which also means you may not have to include a right-back in this. So I've got both Sol Campbell and Gareth Southgate. Um, so, Sid, any arguments? Three or is there another name you want to throw in, sort of centre-back-ish? Um, no, not at all. I agree with Gareth Southgate. I think he is, um, like a couple of other players we'll probably mention, I think he's a little bit underrated. Probably because when you look at players like Southgate... They are very, very good across multiple areas, but they're not outstanding necessarily in one. You you don't think of Gareth Southgate as a fantastic header of a ball, someone that's just going to go up and sort of clear the decks, if you like. You don't think of him quite as a Rio Ferdinand in that he's going to be able to stride out with a ball and lead a counter-attack. And you don't think of him like Des Walker for that sort of electric pace, but he was just good across everything he was solid and he was consistent he was always so. in the right place he, yeah. he, his positioning skill was unbelievable I mean we we got seen for a, a number of years you know playing with us and I never I didn't particularly I don't remember a karma centre back and, and I mean that in, in being able to read the game being able to know what's what it's like he was almost looking at the game from where we were sitting in the stands a lot of the time and that his ability to, to read the ball and know what was going to come next there was you know I, I, I put him and Jonathan Woodgate as the two best centre backs I've seen at, at Middlesbrough really and, and they both had similar qualities in, in that calmness and, and reading of the game just uh, both magnificent players really uh, Above Hugo? Oh yeah I think so yeah yeah. Well, wow. yeah, there okay. you go. Big, big praise. Uh, Sid, any other defender names that you wanted to throw into the mix? So, did we choose our, our first choice alongside Adams, or were we just saying these are the other guys think, in the mix? I think they're the other guys in the mix. I mean, so we've got, so we have picked, we've picked Adams, we've picked Des Walker, we've picked Gareth Southgate. I'm saying I'd probably include Sol Campbell as well. I've also got a reserve right back, but you could 
maybe add an extra midfielder. So we maybe we'll leave that to one side. So unless there's another defender, we, I'll stick Sol Campbell in there. Unless you've got any arguments. No, it has to be Sol Campbell for me. Yeah. I, 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 he'd, be, he'd, he'd start for me. Good start. So we may add another defender later on. Let's see how we go with midfielders. But defenders at the moment will be Gary Neville, Tony Adams, Sol Campbell, Stuart Pearce, Graham Lassell, Des Walker and Gareth Southgate. You could play in a number of positions, so that may be key in our England squad of the 90s. OK, moving on to midfield then. Um, the shoe-in. I don't know if Joel's going to argue with this one because he did in our team of the 90s a long time ago, but I don't think he can, he's got a foot to stand on this one. Um, Mr. 90s himself, who I realised today, now I saw this on your Twitter feed, Joel, that uh, WWE legend Shawn Michaels blocked you for some... But, yeah, he did but, block me, yeah. For some unknown reason. Well, Paul Gascoigne has blocked AK-90s. <laughs> How very... De- I mean, I'm not going to hold it against him. I don't know what we've done to offend him, but... I'm, it's probably me. It's probably my fault. But yeah, yeah, I'm going to pick him anyway. But Paul Gascoigne, yeah, doesn't want to talk to. He won't be on the podcast soon because yeah, he's blocked us on Twitter. I tried to uh, at him in a tweet this morning about an England game in China, and I realised I couldn't. And then I saw that he'd blocked us. So Gazza, what have we done? I'm sorry, mate. Um, but he obviously makes the English. You can't, you know, 1990 for me was all about Gazza, and then the redemption in '96 and that goal at Wembley against Scotland. Um, even in '98, probably think he should have gone, despite the, the gamble it would have been and the big hurrah there was about him crying and, and throwing a tantrum in Glenn Hoddle's room after he wasn't included in that 1998 squad. Um, it's for you guys. I mean, there's a few here that I could go um, either way on, but so, Sid, coming to you first, who would be uh, a shoo-in for you outside of Paul Gascoigne? Um, well, so three others outside of Gascoigne. I've gone for um, uh, Beckham, uh, Ince, uh, and one who really only appeared for England in, what, uh, six months of the 90s, but uh, one of my favourite players of all time. Could have played for England for another no. three years. Here Chris we Waddle. go. You're going to have the same guy that I put down. I thought Chris Waddle. clever with his little sneaky one. Ah, Chris Waddle. Yeah, that's, that's it for me. Uh, tremendous player. An, an outrage that he was uh, sidelined by Graham Taylor for um, for the duration of his sort of tenure as England yeah. manager. A, 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 such a tremendous player. He was, I think, he was European Footballer yeah. of the Year yeah. whilst he wasn't being selected by England. And was at Monaco. Uh, Marseille. Uh, Marseille. Marseille. Sorry, yeah. yeah. It's a very odd one with Waddle. And, I mean, I think Graham Taylor really tried to put his stamp on that squad didn't he and tried to reintroduce sort of new names and stuff but at that time there really wasn't the plethora of names to add which is why we had that Euro 92 squad which is kind of clunky and as much as I love him Andy Sinton is the type of player that gets in that squad and you know he's not in my 90s England squad neither is David Bardsley despite the fact that he got capped during that decade but yeah I think Chris Waddle I had actually on reserve but Joe was he your one as well? No no I've, I've snuck in a really 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 sneaky one oh, go on who's your sneaky one? Is it Robbie Musto? <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Musto never got near an England Phil Stab. <laughs> uh, made his England debut in October of 1999. Ooh. Frank Lampard. Oh, <laughs> that is sneaky. It nah. is sneaky, but I wanted a sneaky one. And yeah. I'm having it. I mean, I know it's kind of cheating because, you know, if we're taking Lampard by the degree he got to later on in the aughts and the... And the tens and everything then you know you might as well pick Pete Shilton on account of his displays in the 1970s but um yeah I'm having it, <laughs> That's just <laughs> what it is well I'm not sure I can I'm sorry oh. majority I'm just looking at the names on my list and as Frank Lampard is probably better than some of them eventually but in 1999 
I, I can't have it. It's a good sneak it and I'll see what you've done. And uh, But I, I can't go with that. I'm sorry. That's, um, where, that's where research gets you. Yeah, no, I appreciate research. I, I didn't even think of that. Uh, I looked at that squad and I probably glanced over his name. But yeah, no, if, if he's in yours, great. But the overall AK-90s? I no. do have a couple of names that you should accept. Yeah, well, I, well, Sid said Ince and he's in mine. So I'm, I, say, I said Ince, yeah. yeah. I think across the two you know, tournaments, you're in 96 um, and then 98, despite the uh, not taking of penalties. I oh, know these were the one that missed in '98. Didn't take them in '96, didn't they? Um, he is one. I do hope. I do hope you've all got David Platt. Oh yeah, he, yeah. He was one. He was the one I was going to come next to. Yeah, David Platt. Because I again, very. I think he's underrated. I I never even rated him when I was a kid. Like I always be like, oh David Platt. But going back and watching the type of play, he kind of was what Frank Lampard became. I think Lampard took on that Platt role and made it his mm. own. But you know, late runs in the box. He was England captain. His goals record for a midfielder. Is is really really credible? Like, and would pop would pop up at the right time. When yeah, completely. Did. Yeah, and in an England era where there weren't a lot of, I don't think David Platt was ever world class. He was virgin on it. He what he stood up among the rest. You know, he was in that '94 team that didn't make it to the World Cup. But you got you got wonder David Platt for Arsenal and the job that he did yeah. there when he because he was sort of seen to be being on the way in there, but he was certainly initial big part of that. Um, First Wenger era because it didn't wasn't he bought at the same time as um, Burkamp? Yeah, yeah, Brace Rocks final final yeah. parting shot um, to, to Arsenal before he left. Um, we're on, we're recording on the day where they've got a new manager. I wonder if he'll be the uh, the next Bruce. Rock. Emery out, yeah, Emery, Emery, out. Emery out. He looks like the guy from Mr. Deeds. That tweet's just bombed, but yeah, that's what I think. He looks like the sneaky sneaky guy. It's from... because that one about I'm closing the bureau to change for an hour from the day the day actually really looks like him, Steve Coogan. Damn doing it. Yeah, he does. The doesn't he? Yeah. That's um, what he looks like. Yeah. yeah. Um, Sid also mentioned Beckham. I've got him as well, Joe. Have you? Um... I said Beckham, and I've also mentioned. Um, John Barnes and Steve McManaman. Oh, okay. Well, I've got both of them as well. So back to Sid. Have, are those names appearing in your list? No chance. No, <laughs> not for me. No, I've gone. I'm going to go. What I think again. This is the underappreciated uh, yeah. nomination yeah. from me. A guy who I think gave one of the um, was was vital to one of England's best performances in the '90s, which was Italy away. Uh, nil-nil in Rome yeah. that night when we had to get something. Yeah. Um, a guy who I think was uh, an outstanding holding midfielder, um, allowed Paul Gascoigne's England career to go on possibly longer than it should. Um, David Batty. Yeah, he's... yeah. I, see, oh. I, I toyed with Batty. Um, Paul Scholes was the one that, that replaced him in the end in my team. Oh, you see, I've got them both. I, oh, I think okay. there's, well, t- there's time and... This is going to be a yeah. Tough there's time pick. and space for both of these guys. Uh, because I just think David Batty was a tremendous player. I really did. There is a goal that England scored um, against Portugal in a friendly. I tweeted about it. It was a couple of months ago, the anniversary, where Batty bursts forward, which is something no human being has ever said, um, and he <laughs> he plays a no look half volley pass over a defender, and Shearer volleys it into the top corner. It's one of the great passes you will ever see in football it is sensational um and i didn't even know he had that in his locker because we you know typically consider david batty as a a grafter and a workhorse but um he he put in a, some very good performances alongside paul Ince, um which sort of shows how aware glenn hoddle was tactically if not yeah. in terms of man management because those two as a duo were exceptional at keeping a ball uh, getting a ball back and launching a counter-attack. So that's why he gets in for me. I've got skulls as well. And yeah. then my my third one, 
I've gone a bit midfielder heavy. Um, a man who should have won more England caps was discarded by a, by someone who suffered exactly the same fate. And to this day, I can't understand why. I don't understand why Matt Letizia didn't get more games. Yeah, I thought we'd come to the Letizia point. I really did. The Letizia <laughs> conundrum. Yeah, he's not in mine. I'll be honest, I appreciate Matt Letizia and the, the goal showreel that you see. I, and I'll say this, and I'll get shot down completely. Don't ever think he was consistent I think I'm enough. going to agree. I think I'm going to come out with the same... Uh, yeah, I don't think he's ever consistent lazy. enough. Yeah, well, if, lazy, yeah, to the point. I just don't think in a... To- Maybe in a tournament, where it's a short period, you would have got flashes. I just don't think he was ever consistent enough and proved it at a bigger stage to be in the England setup. That's. that's... I think Venables gave, him, Venables gave him a couple of goals, didn't he? And he didn't really do much. And, and the argument is, you know, how was he expected to do much in those... Yeah, little appearances, but um, you know, and there was the whole argument that if he if he decided to go and represent France, which I think it was a possibility, I remember it being mentioned at some point um, that you know they'd have built the whole team around him, and and that would have been that. But you know, he's a player that isn't appreciated, but also it's, it's you know he's he's so I think the polite word is language. <laughs> yeah, I I just don't think he did it enough enough for Southampton, which is silly to say because you see all the goals he scored and stuff, but. Southampton were always a team fighting at the bottom, and I just think he's more of a showreel player. Whereas the names that we've mentioned, YouTube. yeah, and the names that we've mentioned, just I, I I knew we'd come to this, Sid, and I'm glad you brought it up because I, I would have said it anyway in the kind of other sort of people that we could have players we could have picked. But I I think you know majority rules were both saying me and Joel no, so I think the well, if I can't sneak in a flair player <laughs> like Matt Letizia. I've got absolutely no fucking chance of getting Tony Daly in, have I? Well, I can't, if I can't get Steve Stone in, there's no chance for Tony Daly. <laughs> oh, dear. No space for Arthur on the plane. That's wow. a disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. You'd love, you love a bit of Tony Daly, friend of the show. Oh, I absolutely love Arthur Daly. What a <laughs> We're player. basically building your underrated 11, aren't we? Basically, that's all we're building here, Sid. As um, I said at the start, it's my plane. I decide who goes on it. Well, we're building our own plane, though. So this is, yeah, majority <laughs> rules, I was going to say. So at the moment, the midfield... Is looking like Paul Gascoigne, David Platt, John Barnes, Paul Ince, Paul Scholes, David Beckham, Chris Waddle, and David Batty, which means we are not taking. Well, depends on strikers, but at the moment we're losing a defender to take another midfielder. So that's. I'm happy with that. Yeah. Okay. Joel, happy with that? No, I'm all right with that. I can live with that. Yeah. Okay. Right. Before we talk strikers, then uh, let's talk to a man who's clearly going to be the one shooting in this England squad. Um, I was lucky enough to talk to him at last, well, a couple of weeks ago at the BBC World Cup launch. Um, I admit it's an interview that was mainly for the magazine that I work on in the day, but we did get a couple of 90s questions out of him. So this is former England captain, the record Premier League goal scorer, Alan Shearer, talking about a few memories from his past in the 90s World Cups and looking forward to World Cup 2018, talking to me earlier last week. Hi. This is Elton Wellsby, and you're listening to Alive and Kicking, the outstanding 90s football podcast. You touched on it in there, but how excited are you uh, for the the Summer's World Cup? Yeah, I'm really excited. um, I'm really looking forward to it. I mean, I've been... I haven't played in one, lucky enough to play in the World Cup in 1998 and, and haven't worked on 206, uh, 2010, 2014 and now looking forward to uh, to this one. So it should be a good tournament. Um, yeah, hoping for plenty of entertainment, plenty to talk about and some goals. 
for someone who's spirits both sides, as you said, playing and being a pundit, what makes it so special? What makes the World Cup? So well, it's not a comparison from playing to uh, to being a pundit. It's, um, playing is the adrenaline that you get is incredible. I mean, you get you get an adrenaline rush when you go on live TV, but inevitably the disappointment you, you're waiting for it with England is that uh, over the years that's always uh, that's always happened. So hopefully we might have something to shout about. I don't think there's too much expectation on this England team. Um, certainly expect us to improve from two years ago, which yeah. shouldn't be difficult. So yeah, that's what I'm hoping. Going back to 1998, the World Cup you played in. I mean, England Tunisia is our opening game, like yeah. you. Did it bring back memories of it that? Does, what do you yeah, remember from that yeah, from that opening brings, game? Yeah, it's uh, obviously very uh, identical, and hopefully we can get a similar sort of result. And as a forward, very much like Harry Kane will be thinking, is that you want to get off to a good start. Yeah. You want to get off to a goal-scoring start and a winning start. And then the confidence and the juice start to uh, slow. Because you, you scored in that game. Do you think, as a striker, when you look at no disrespect to teams like Tunisia and Panama, are you thinking, this is where I can start on that road to well, making? I, I, I honestly don't think it'll be as easy as everyone's yeah. making out to be against those teams because they're relatively inexperienced England, the, the, a lot of the England players. So it'll be about finding their way into uh, into the tournament. But do expect us to uh, to get out of the group. Um, and but yeah, as a as a forward, you're just you're thinking goals. Mm. There's a lot has been said today about the expectation and the pressure that England have. How did you find it in 1990? Well, is there any pressure? I don't see too many people putting pressure on the England team and players to say that we have to win this or we have to do this or we have to get to a semi-final. I don't think people are saying that. So. I don't think there is too much pressure on them. I don't think there's been expectation on the England team for a number of years now. What was, how did you handle it? Because in 1998, that squad was made of a completely different ilk of that one. Well, it was, that was, it was expectation on us then and pressure on us then to go out and, 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 and win it. Of course, we couldn't, we couldn't deliver that. But I think if, if you come away from the tournament and you can look yourself in the mirror, both as an individual and as a group, and say, you know what, we give everything, we tried everything and it just wasn't to be, for whatever reason. I think people expect, understand that and, and when will accept that. It's when what happened against Iceland that people get angry, people get upset, then, then that's when, um, when it turns a bit ugly. Where, what for you would be a good tournament for England? Where, where do you think they'd end up? Uh, quarterfinals. Quarterfinals. So you, you've got three group games, you've got a round of 16, four World Cup games. So yeah, if we can get to a quarterfinal. I think it could be Germany the way we work it, so that could be the end there, couldn't it? It could be, yeah. Then um, yeah, we, it, Hopefully it's not the same old story. Because uh, as a working as a pundit, we all want England to do well. Because it goes yeah. around it. And as soon as England go out, it's still a... You go all flat, so we want England to stay in it as long as possible. You mentioned your memories earlier on the table. What, going back to that, your first memories of the World Cup. What do you remember from it? Well, I, I mean, I, rem- I remember '86 when I was a 15-year-old looking at Lineker, thinking, "I want to be, I want to do that. I want to be part of that." And it, was, it, it sort of resonated a, a, a bit more because he's English. It was England. I knew who he was, yeah. and I was just starting my career. I was just going down to Southampton then to start my career yeah. I was an apprentice so um, and then of course 1990 happened with Gazzard etc and, and it all happened again and, and that's when I, I, I want to play in a World Cup I've asked all the guys here pulling on that freelance shirt I was actually at your England debut as a, as a young yeah, lad 92 yeah. partnering Gary Lineker what's yeah. it like pulling on that England shirt for the first time it's the greatest feeling in the world to walk yeah. out with uh, to walk out with Wembley is unbelievable to walk out with Wembley as England captain is even better um, and to score and to win as, as, as an England player at Wembley then 
it's very very special. I was always disappointed you and Gary didn't play more games together. Well, I know we played. Uh, we were in. I went to um, Euro '92 mm. in Sweden. Yeah. Of course, was in the squad. We only played one game. Um, and then that was pretty much it, really, with uh, with Gary. After that, we played. Uh, we both scored on my uh, on my debut. So, yeah. You've got Chris Sutton on the team as well. It's like all your old partners. Uh. I know, yeah. There's a few <laughs> hanging around, isn't there? Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at predictions about the tournament. I'm sure you've been asked a million times already. But winners for you, is there a standout or is it still um, quite difficult no, to pick? I think it's incredibly tough to pick yeah. out. But I don't see too many surprises. I think the usual suspects will be in and around the semi-finals, as in Germany, France, Spain. But I'm going to go for Brazil, I just yeah. think, because of what happened to them four years ago. Uh, I think they'll be out to try and put that right. And when you look at their team, Firmino can't get in there at yeah. the minute. He's put Jesus in, which probably tells you how good they are. Edison can't get in their team, a goalkeeper. So, yeah, I'm going to go for Brazil. Top scorer? I mean, you're someone you might... You can go Jesus, yeah. I don't know, because if... They, more often than not the top scorer will come from a team that's got to at least the yeah. semi-finals and I think Brazil will get to at least the semi-finals could be a good outside bet that one a surprise star I know you talked about a few names on the panel yeah. who's the one you think may surprise a Scalacci if you would I'm not sure there is one I mean I, 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 I actually looked at Griezmann two years ago top scorer on the yeah. Euros I think they'll be in and around the semis so um, big, uh, big tournament for a lot of the French players but yeah it wouldn't be a surprise if Griezmann wasn't one of the outstanding players either. So I'm hoping Harry Kane's in and around there as well because if England are going to get in and around the quarterfinal somewhere, then he's going to have to score three or four goals. What do you make of the English striking options? Because I was talking to Dion earlier. We were talking about your era when you had so many, so eight or nine options that probably would get in the squad now. Yeah, I mean, I looked, I watched the game uh, on Sunday. Tottenham, Leicester, and Watts, Vardy and Kane closely, and both of them scored two each. Both brilliant finishes. Um, Rashford, uh, Lingard. Um, uh, if uh, he'll play one up with probably yeah. one either side or one in behind, only he'll go two up to begin with. Um, so it'll be Kane to start, and then we'll have to see how he does. But in Vardy, we've got someone who can use his pace and score goals. And for lastly, we've asked all the guys this: we'd like you to pick your five-a-side World Cup teams. So of all the guys in the World Cup, who would be in your five-a-side team? Who, in the, who now? Yeah. Fernandinho. So he'd be sitting in the middle. Yeah, Griezmann. Sane. Um, what have I got? Three forwards in there. Yeah, you need a defender and a goalie. Goalie. Um, I'm not going to pick any of England's goalies. Lloris. And Baran. Good one. Good stuff. Well, thank you very much, Alex. Thank you. Big Al there. Yeah, talking about... I was at that game, as I said, the February England debut, February 92. That was my first ever live football game. Him and Lineker playing up front. Will they play up front in our England squad? That's find out. That's talk, Shearers. Um, Gents, I think the man we just spoke to uh, goes without saying. I think Mr Shearer is our shoe-in, Sid. Yeah, no argument from me. I'm still seething about Tony Daly, though. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> maybe, maybe we'll find him. We'll make a reserve list and we'll make room for, for Tony Daly. We didn't even mention Darren Anderton or Stephen Manaman properly when we're talking. I about had Darren Anderton on my list. Oh, there you go. See, old sick note. Always made. It always turned up for tournaments, didn't he? But yeah, didn't quite make our cut. Um, Sashira, yeah, Joe. I mean, even as a uh, you know, in on where you are up the north, there, he's a he's a legend, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can't you can't deny it. You don't you don't score that amount of goals by accident. And you know, if you consider the injuries that he had as well. 
Um, you know, he could have scored more and more and more. And even though he went to Newcastle, there's something I just admire that Newcastle was the only team he ever really wanted to play for. And although he went a roundabout way via Southampton and Blackburn, um, he stuck there when he could have gone to you know United most notably and, and won all sorts. He went with his with his heart. And even though I think that's a bit stupid, <laughs> I admire it. Yeah, no. <laughs> Considering the, the club in question, you know, if it had been anybody else, I probably would have quite admired him more. Definitely, definitely. My, my dad still doesn't rate him. It's the most ridiculous sort of notion that my dad's always said. And when I, when I spoke to him last week, uh, I, the picture was on social media and my dad phoned me and he was like, I see you speaking to Shearer today. Still think he's shit. And I was like, Dad, <laughs> he's got, look at his goal record. He's, even for England, like 60-odd games, 30-odd goals. I mean, that's almost one in two. I mean, I know we, look, we live in a world of Ronaldo and Messi records, but back in, he was a phenomenal striker and... and without saying, is probably the first name in this England 90s. When I think of Shearer, I think of your NI6, but also think of that goal he scored against Georgia, or is it the indirect free kick, where he absolutely walloped. Yeah, he could wallop a ball. That goal against Everton is in my top five goals of all time. I love that goal, because that is just bang. Pick that one out. Um, So I've gone for four other strikers. That's uh, go around the table. Um, How many, Steve, have you gone for four or three, and who are they? Uh, well, I've got... Hold on, let me just do the count here. I've got five. So, including Shearer, who's the other four? Yeah. Uh, Teddy alongside him. Yeah, Which I think, think I'm fair. guessing is going to be fairly standard across yeah. the board. Um, uh, I, was, I, was, I was reading an article the other day. Um, it was a, a feature with Tony Cascarino. In fact, I, um, I clipped one of the quotes from it, which is an absolute gem of a story from Jack Charlton, and I stuck it on Twitter this morning. People seem to have enjoyed it. Um but he was making a point about Teddy Sheringham, which is how good he makes the other striker look. And if you look back through Teddy Sheringham's kind of history, uh, he had a partnership with Tony Cascarino, which not many people can say they did. That yeah, Emil yielded, Roy, yeah. yielded loads of goals. Of course, there was Klinsman. Uh, there was Shearer at international level. There was Solskjaer. There was Cole. There was York. Of course, I mean, him and Andy Cole, Terry Sheridan and Andy Cole famously hated each other yeah. as well. Hated, absolutely hated. Yeah. Mm. Did he but play yeah. with Yakubu at Portsmouth? Was he there with Yakubu at the time? Was that a partnership? I, I, I don't know, but I do know he made Marlon Harewood look good at West Ham. <laughs> <laughs> then yeah, the Ninja Turtle that was Marlon Harewood. Yeah. And I loved Marlon, but Teddy Teddy gave him plenty of opportunities to score. So um, yeah, you, just what a wonderful player. Yeah, he what made Stephen Everson look pretty good as well. With. <laughs> yes, Stephen Everson. Yeah, again, like that's that, you're in rare air when you when you uh, when you can do that. Yeah. So who else have you got along with Sheringham and Shearer? Um. Oh, well, Sir Gary of Lineker. Okay. Um. Spud salesman extraordinaire. I know. Um. That ninety to ninety and ninety one. Obviously, he was still scoring goals. Italian United goes without saying. And then ninety two, he became um, the um, you know the the well, the most infamous substitution yeah. in England history, of course. <laughs> uh, uh, I, I that I also clipped the other day. It was the anniversary of that terrible, terrible penalty. Oh, took, against Brazil, uh, yeah. The Brazil one. Against yeah. Brazil. And when you look at it, it really, it's almost as bad. You, It's probably as bad as Diana Ross. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> The crossbar survived, but yeah, it's just as bad. Yeah, yeah, and he and he wasn't singing "I'm Coming Out" at the time. It was it was atrocious. I really and I remember that moment. Just thinking to myself, just put your foot through it, Gary. Do it like you did against Cameroon. Just put your foot through it and let's get this done. 
why he tried that. What a yeah. moment of madness. So uh, Gary Lineker's my third striker, which I'm guessing is right across the board. Yeah, I've got Lineker. Joe, you got Lineker? I've absolutely got Gary yeah. Lineker. I, I, did, I did toy, because like, like you say, Sid, it only goes to 92. But I think, I, rem- I mean, growing up, Lineker, when I first got into football, he was the man. I wanted to be Gary Lineker, the number well, 10. Well, he was, he, was, he was Gaza before Gaza. Yeah, he was, yeah. I mean, it, we, we'd step into the 80s every now and then, especially with Matthews on the show, but you think, you know, Golden Boot winner in 1986 as well. I mean, in, in Italia 90, if it weren't for Lineker and, and Gaza, of course, but those two, that Cameroon game, I mean, the, we talk about bottle and Tim Flowers earlier, that bottle to score two penalties in a World Cup quarterfinal. I mean, he's never going to score a goal outside the box, but he, he inside the box, he is, you know, the number one. So I think Shearer, Sheringham and Lineker pick themselves. Um, I think it's the other two that are going to be interesting because I know mine's going to be accused of biasism. But um, Joe, um, that, you've got those three. So have you, have you got four or five in yours? Or I've you... got I've got one more to go, and I suspect you're going to go for the man who I sent you a link about the other day. Indeed. Yeah. That, there you go. That's a T. So that's I know who it is. Yeah. Uh, but who, who's uh, your got, last one? I've gone for the for the other fella, uh, Robbie Fowler. Mm. The Fowler, the Fowler conundrum. Yeah. The next conundrum. Yeah. Because I just think we were so spoiled in the 1990s in terms of English strikers. I know we say it over and over again, but I mean, it must have been the only side in the world that Robbie Fowler couldn't get into regularly because he could have got into any other national side, I think. But unfortunately for him, he was born around the same time as Alan Shearer. Yeah, exactly. And and I just think in terms of a natural finisher in, in that first spell at Liverpool... Uh, when he first exploded onto the scene, and when he was playing with Rush and everything, and all right, he didn't he didn't get the chance to do it international level, but I would certainly always have him in a squad. Mm. Okay, we'll put that a pin in that for a second. Uh, Sid, who's your final two? Um, well, the, these are two left field choices. I was thinking to myself, uh, chaps. I was thinking, well, it's, it's late in the game. Atkinson, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I was thinking to myself, it's late in a game. We've got to get a result. Maybe the scores are level where we need a goal. And in traditional sort of English style, we need to get the ball in the box. We need to get it forward early. We need a couple of big, strong fellas to score. You know, maybe create an opportunity for a Lineker or a Sheringham or or someone to take advantage of. So my first one, I've gone for Bully. Steve Ball. Oh, there's a left. That is a very left field choice. One of my favourite ever footballers, and but this, uh, and you know, when I've selected this squad, I have not selected it on achievement. I've not selected it on form. I've selected it on whether I like the players, which That's sometimes yeah. seems to be exactly the same criteria as former England managers. Yeah, so no. I don't feel guilty about this. What a goal machine, and two. Probably, again, the, the most forgotten England goals. Um, the goal he scored against uh, Scotland yeah. in the old Rouse Cup, I think it was called. in was that 1989, Hand- Park? I think that was at Hampton Park. Yeah. The ball bounced off his back. He didn't even know where it was. And then in a split second, he volleys it in the top corner. And then the goal against Czechoslovakia yeah. with uh, with the help of a lovely little dink from Paul Gascoigne. I watched it's it again this dink. morning. Yeah, it's a lovely what little a dink. goal. Yeah. And, the, and the, we were actually behind in that game to another fantastic striker in world football, Thomas Scaravi. And uh, Steve Ball scored that goal. Um, I just thought, um, I find it very odd when you look at the calibre of players that Graham Taylor capped um, in that era of sort of 90 to 92, throwing out caps like confetti. I've never really understood why Steve Ball didn't get a game. Yeah. So I, 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 just just because Wolves were... 
Wolves were one division down for the majority of the time. I think that was it. Probably because Alan Smith seemed to be a, I mean, he's the, he was the sort of person in that infamous infamous substitution that Sid was talking about, wasn't he? But Alan Smith seemed to get in a squad a lot around um, Graham Taylor's here, and not even above Ian Wright, which was ridiculous because Wright was scoring more goals for him from Arsenal. So, like as you say, certain managers did have their favourites um, in terms of who. Uh, so you've gone for Steve Ball. Who's the last name on your list? Uh, can I save that one? <laughs> okay. Oh, oh he's, he's building that one up. Okay, the two that I've yeah. got um, on my list, one completely biased, but at the same time, if Les Ferdinand, which is the name that Joe referred to, played in today's football, I just, I, what would it be worth? Strong, physical, you know, Didier Drogba is kind of the Les Ferdinand of the modern era, but I think even Les was better than him, and I'm completely biased because I saw him in, I think, in probably at his peak. Just you know, the last season at uh, QPR, then his first season at Newcastle when he was PFA Player of the Year. Again, never really got a massive chance with England. He was part of both squads for '96 and '98, um, but uh, such was the plethora of strikers that we had in that time. He never really got a good run. Had a great record against San Marino, which doesn't really say a lot. But he made his debut, scored, <laughs> and then he played in the uh, return game where he set up, I think, four goals for almost three goals for Ian Wright and scored himself. So I'd go Les Ferdinand, but completely see that, you know, that's my my pick. Uh, and the other one, which is a name I can't believe none of us has mentioned yet. I know it's at the end of the decade and we're in a week where he scored his first ever England goal, becoming England's youngest goal scorer at that time. The phenomenon, which he was in the late 90s, Michael Owen. Because for me, um, I always like to think, and this is such a ridiculous notion to say, but when I was playing football and I'd never really been able to play football, I, I use that term very, very loosely. It's what I talk about it instead. I was always about pace. It's the only thing I ever had going for me. Two left feet, but pace. And when I watched Michael Owen, I could, you know, he was the striker I wanted to be. The boy, I mean, forget the injuries later in the next decade. For that period from sort of 97 to going to 2000, he was just outrageously unbelievable. And that 98 goal, I mean, a kid of 18 to do that to one of the most senior defences in world football, sen bloody sensational. So my two picks, I can, yeah, and I stand biased on my list, Ferdinand, but Michael Owen, I will stand firm in the mud about him being included as, our, as a wild pick, as someone off the bench. But seeing as Sid's lined it up, who's your last pick? Who's your humdinger that you're going to surprise us with? Well, well let, let me just get, weigh in on the Michael Owen thing. Do it. Because I think, I think it's an interesting contrast with um, Alan Shearer, if you like. Because when Michael Owen got injured, he lost 50% of his ability. Because yeah. he was so reliant on one physical attribute, which was raw speed. Yeah. You know, brilliant, brilliant finisher. But when you took the pace away... Um, you know, he was he really wasn't half the player he was. And one of the great things I think about both Shearer and Les Ferdinand is that after respective injuries and age took its toll, Completely, um, yeah. they 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 remodeled their games. They didn't become as heavily reliant on movement and agility. I mean, they they found other ways to add value to the team while still scoring, you know, a very a healthy number of goals in both their cases. I mean, we had Les Oh, goodness me, he must have been about 75 yeah. when we had him in 2003. And he played for and Bolton would... and Leicester after that, didn't he? I think that was yeah, after. He still yeah, he played in the Premier League. Yeah. But um, he'd, he'd gone by the time he came to us. But he still had a remnant of quality. And it, I think he scored for us in our final game in the Premier League season when we got relegated. Uh, and he was still a very good player because he'd adapted his game. So one of the things about Owen, which I find really interesting, is that... He never really did adapt his game. Once that pace went and the injuries took their toll, he wasn't able to evolve the way other players were, which isn't really a criticism of him by any means. But I think it really should be something that's admired about the likes of yeah. Shearer 
and, and Ferdinand's because when Ferdinand's pace when he was still a bloody mm. good player. I think Owen also peaked way too early. I think his career span, the injury obviously took its toll, but the, his actual peak of his powers just happened so early because he broke through, and especially in terms of 1990s football where players broke through a lot older than they do in modern football. Look at Ryan Sessegnon. You wouldn't hear of that, really. Only Alan Shearer is kind of the, ex- the exception, as well as Owen. You don't really hear of that as much in that decade as you do now, and I think he peaked bloody earlier. I think he, he, he tried to evolve his game. You think later... Um, even May United, he was still scoring goals, but you're right, he's scared. The, the thing that made defenders fear him and defenders hate pace, as soon as that went, he wasn't the striker he was. So I do agree with that. No, and, and that doesn't mean he wasn't a, a, a tremendous player because he yeah, still yeah. was. There were still flashes and sometimes consistent flashes of brilliance, but not on that same yeah, level. No, but I agree. It, it, it's, it's that point about what you said, 17-year-olds that come through very, very early, come into first-team football, become superstars. Um, they peak a lot earlier their career declines yeah. a lot earlier. We saw it with Robbie Keane, who came through at Wolves, Coventry, 17-18. By the time he was 30, 31, not, you know, mm. his, his time had been gone. I think Fernando Torres is exactly the name I was going to say. Well. Yeah. yeah, You know, I think he was captain of Atletico at 18 years old, which is astonishing. Yeah. But he has been in top flight football for nearly 17, 18 years. And this, this talk incredible. of Torres going... Let's talk of Torres going to Newcastle now, isn't it? Seems like a Newcastle buy, doesn't it? Because Benitez there as well. But it, and I wouldn't doubt he'd, he wouldn't score the goals a level that he scored at Liverpool. But I wouldn't doubt that he'd still get in double figures because he's he, the finishing is still there. He's not the striker he was, especially as we saw at Liverpool. Oof, I'm but, not sure about that, son. I'm I don't know. Sure I don't that. know. <laughs> Newcastle. I think with strikers, Newcastle. If you get off a good start, there's such an aura about being a striker at Newcastle, which is why Charlie Austin yeah. should have gone there years ago when he left QPR. I think he would have been perfect for, for Newcastle, Charlie Austin. But if you're gonna if you're gonna call Fernando Torres a Newcastle signing, I've I've got to, I've got to say no on that because if you're talking about someone that's miles past their prime, would command a wage that they barely deserve. <laughs> I, know, that's, yeah. I mean, that's QPR well, like, all like, over. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Manuel Pellegrini might be up your street. You know. Well, or... I was gonna say if he doesn't go to QPR and Harry Redknapp hasn't got a job somewhere, he's coming straight yeah. to uh, Stratford. <laughs> We'll snap him up yeah. and he could room with Zabaleta. Or Hernandez and Torres. There's a partnership for 2009, isn't there? Bloody hell. <laughs> Goodness me. Goodness gracious. Okay, we need to settle this debate. Um, who's your final one, Sid? That's what was your, the original question was. Oh, have we, have we been to Joel there? Joel, uh, where, where are we then? Uh, um, what are our four? Well, four we've got. We've confirmed three, which is Shearer, Sharing and Malinica. I, I think we've kind of... I've out. lost on Steve Ball, haven't We've I? lost on Steve Ball, just in yeah. terms of, I don't yeah. think he did enough at the highest level. I think I've lost on Michael Owen, so we need two names. Les Ferdinand's hanging in the balance, Robbie Fowler's hanging in the balance, So, but which name are you going to give us? Well, listen, my, my head is going to agree with uh, either Les, probably more with Les than it does with Robbie Fowler, but I was thinking, I was thinking to myself again, 10 minutes to go, we need something, I'm going to look down the bench, what am I going to do? I need a player with a bit of experience, Someone who's played in Europe, someone maybe who's played on the biggest stage against the best of the best, you know, in international competition, you need someone who knows the sort of tricks of the trade, who's been up against the likes of Baresi and, and these, the tremendous centre-halves that he's going to go up against and still strikes fear in their hearts. It's Mark Haley. Oh, no! <laughs> oh, oh. Hang on. I think I can throw a red card here. I don't think Mark Hagley got capped by England in the 90s. I'm yes, he did, my did friend. He? Graham Taylor, Czechoslovakia, oh, two all. Kit. Well, he's wearing that kit as well, isn't he? Yeah, you're right. 
Yeah, and I think he played in half a game as well um, outside of that. And as I said, I am not judging someone on England performances. I'm judging it because I like him. And uh, I still, again, the like of Steve Ball, I think Haitley should have got more caps under Taylor because that spell between 90 and 93 stroke 94 at Rangers, he, he was phenomenal. That goal in Europe, oh, what a goal. What a goal against Leeds. Tremendous player, uh, and if I'm honest, he's got absolutely no business getting near this team. <laughs> Again, in your underrated eleven as well, Sid. You've just you're just earmarking that. Um, okay, my thoughts on Mark Haitley. Firstly, he, <laughs> he was wearing that kit in that game, so that gives him some credence because uh, that is the greatest England kit of all time—the cowardly lion kit, as John Devlin calls it. Three lions. So, with that, okay. Um, apart from that, do no- you have got more caps? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Look at who we capped. Look at who we capped in '92. Not above Ian Wright, who hardly got a sniff under Graham Taylor. You know, not Brian under... Dean, David White, Peter Blumming Beardsley, who was still knocking around and who Graham Taylor ignored. And then Terry Venables thought he was so good, bought him back in '96, '95, '96, when he kind of was past his peak. Um, was looking at you know, Newcastle and Andy Cole partnership we're looking at was just a couple of seasons before. So I appreciate what Haley was doing at Rangers and I know I'm completely biased to the waste of money that he was at Loftus Road a couple of years later. Um, but I can't agree. I'm sorry. I, I didn't realise he scored three goals for QPR. That's, yeah, I, I, there's three more than I remember, let's be honest. Well, yeah, me too. <laughs> I didn't realise he'd even notched. Well, I, I, I remember one was against Wimbledon in the Cup because we were, at the, we were sitting in the Wimbledon end, which is like the least... The frightening away end to be in your entire life at that point. No offence to Wimbledon fans, but you know at the time Manchester, Manchester United second ground. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In a cup game, and I think he scored. I think there was ironic cheers all around the ground because I think that was maybe his second or, th- or third goal. But yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't very many. I get Ray Wilkins thinking at the time he was scoring so many goals for Rangers uh, in Scotland with Ali McCoyce, but and he. I, well, actually, in fairness, Ash, he had started to go off the boil. I think. I think he peaked. His peak was in that three-year period by '95. He, he got injured and he wasn't the same player. So it was it was a bad, you know, shock, shock horror, QPR in bad business decision. Oh, yeah, exactly. It started in the 90s. Well, probably started before that, if all, in all fairness. Um, OK, so we've got four. I think Les Ferdinand gets in this somehow because we've got a majority two two uh, choices. So I'd, I'd, I'd give you that. I'd yeah. agree with that. So who, who's the fifth? Well, we going to, we've got one more player. So we can either give it to Fowler and Owen or even Haitley. Um, we can we can sit Latisse in midfield, or we can add another defender, someone like Paul Parker. We haven't mentioned um, someone like Mark Wright. We haven't mentioned as well. Um, I would I'd probably throw in, throw in Fowler or Owen myself. Um, Joe, what would you do for the final place in this squad? You know what? Because I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna disregard my original choice and say I think I would probably if we're looking at it as a squad game, then you'd probably go for Owen at his 98 peak just to give you that burst of frightening speed. Okay, Joe, you happy with that? Um, sorry, Sid, you're happy with that? Yeah, sorry, Barry Venison just popped into my head, but I thought, <laughs> no, there's, there's a guy that can play right back, holding midfield, tremendous hair. Tremendous no, hair. All right, you know, all right, yeah, let's go with that. Yeah, it's funny, I mentioned Barry Venison in my intro. <laughs> so, yeah, that's the, he is the name to remember. Great Corinthian figure, that hair just made Oh, my hair. goodness one me, of, one of the best. One one of the who had a mullet in 1996? Honestly, only a Geordie. Yeah, well done, Barry Venison. Shout out to that. You get a special place. Um, okay, so the final squad. This is the England 1990s 23. In goal, Seaman, Martin, and Flowers. Our defence Gary Neville, Tony Adams, Sol Campbell, Stuart Pearce, Graham Lasso, Des Walker, and Gareth Southgate. 
In midfield, we have Paul Gascoigne, David Platt, John Barnes, Paul Ince, Paul Scholes, David Beckham, Chris Waddle, and David Batty. And up front, Alan Shearer, Teddy Sheringham, Gary Lineker, Les Ferdinand somehow, and Michael Owen. Dad win the World Cup. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, who's, the, who's the manager? I, I think we've agreed on this, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, I think as much as I love Bobby Robson and, you know, the figure, the father figure he became, I think you talk to any player of that era in the middle of the decade and they will tell you the best coach they ever worked under was Terry Venables and I, I'd go Venables. You guys? I'd go Venables. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Sid? He's my boy. Well, yeah, I mean, Howard Wilkinson's not entering the mix, is he? <laughs> no, he's not. <laughs> one, of, one of my great Howard Wiz, um, Wilkinson anecdotes is the fact that when he got his one and only stab, uh, being England manager. I know I what you're going to say here. February 99, um, he took the players for training, you know, and let's be realistic, he was in the mix of getting a job there because, the, you know, it was crisis at the FA as there always was. And their first training session, they decided to practice free kicks from the halfway line, lumping it up to the centre-backs. Christ. I love that. I absolutely love that. that the story was... I was going to tell was, um, you know, um, when he when he did his his first England one and only England manager press conferences, Howard Wilkinson, and uh, <laughs> so one of the journalists started criticising him and asking him, you know, asking him what he was doing, what team he was picking, and Wilkinson angrily answered, "Oh well, how many England caps have all of you got?" And Jimmy Armfield put his hand up and said, "47." Howard. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he he remains the last Englishman to win the the league, doesn't he? So he still has that record tucked nicely under his clipboard or whatever he used at the time. But he was in charge of that friendly against France, wasn't he? When Nicholas and Elka ripped apart um, England at the end of that decade. Um, I think if we had a reserve list like they had, I think making out on what we've talked about, um, defender-wise, I mean, I don't think we talked about anyone else, but I mean, maybe someone like Paul Parker or Mark Wright would get the nod. Um, I, I mentioned Gary Pallister. Gary Pallister, yeah, there's your, yeah, you borrow. He didn't get many caps, did he? No, but again, I think he was he was stumped by the people who were yeah, in front of him, definitely. You know? and, and you got to remember, you know, in that era, Steve Bruce never got a cap. Yeah, at exactly. All. But Barry Venison and John Scales did. Um, yeah. I saw John Scales the other day. He's uh, he's in good form. He's coming on the podcast soon. Um, and did that, you see John Scales or did you see Tim Lovejoy? They are, he, well, the older John Scales gets, the less likely he looks like Tim. I haven't seen Tim <laughs> Lovejoy for a while, but I don't know if they've aged the same. But they are very much alike. Um, Matt Letitia gets an hour. I think the conundrum. He, he's in reserve with Stephen Manaman and Robbie Fowler. And I'll put Bully on there as well, because I think Steve Ball could uh, could be a secret weapon for England. No Miss, no Ian Wright, no Peter Beardsley. They didn't we quite... didn't talk about Ian Wright much, did we? No, I t- he never really got a chance. I mean, again, the stri- you could, we could have a squad full of strikers. We say it all the time. I, in fact, I'm, I keep name dropping here, but this is coming to the podcast soon. I spoke to Dion Dublin about the, the choice of strikers in the 90s, and he said he, he couldn't get in the 98 squad because of so many good strikers around. In Did you era. talk about Holmes under the hammer, which is my most important thing? I think you could have found a talk to Dion Dublin about. I, I, I didn't talk about property, and my in-laws also wanted me to ask him about his terrible spell at Millwall, but I avoided all those questions and stuck to, <laughs> to keeping it 90s, and unfortunately, some World Cup 2018 talk but yeah Dion Dublin um, says that as well but yeah there's a we, Andy Cole Dublin, we Dublin, haven't mentioned Dublin, Andy Cole Andy Cole yeah he's another name Dion can... Dublin Dion Dublin could also play centre back if you yeah, needed it he could Chris Sutton is another name he could play centre back yeah. as uh, well uh, just, just on uh, Dion Dublin he also saved Michael Owen's not life in Casablanca if you're going to take Owen um, you know he's got previous on keeping him healthy do you remember when Michael Owen swallowed his tongue oh of course Friendly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Friendly in Morocco it yeah. was Dion Dublin that got to him first and put him yeah. on his side that was Owen's first goal as well yeah, we'll be, yeah, yeah we'll and there was that. a lovely line by someone on um, 
Radio 5. It might have been John Champion. It might have been someone else. His sign-off from that game after Dion Dublin had, uh, and um, whoever the England physio was has saved Michael Owen's life was, and I can remember it so vividly, a kiss is just a kiss. But just remember this, England have got a World Cup to win. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> what a line. Oh, that is a lot. What a line. I, have to, well, I think we have to end on that line because that is just too beautiful not to. Um, we've picked our squad. We're going to use that spirit of that line and this team's going to win our imaginary World Cup. So thank you very much, gents. That was very enjoyable as usual. I think we've picked a bloody good squad there. Over the moon that Les Ferdinand, Sir Les has got in there. Um, great nod there. Um, Joel, coming to you first. Uh, if people want to moan about this squad, which they probably will, where can they get you on the social media? Everything is at Joel Baby Herc on on uh, Twitter and on Instagram. It, at the minute, it uh, tends to be pub dogs. Yeah, a lot of pub dogs on Instagram. Yeah, a little a lot one. Of dogs at the minute. That's a really little one yesterday, I saw, wasn't it? A really it's little tiny. one. The cats have had double the size of that tiny <laughs> dog. Yeah, but that was that was in Putney. I went out drinking in Putney yesterday. That was fun. Glamorous Tuesday afternoon boozing. Yeah, very glam. Um, and yeah. Sid, for anyone who doesn't, because let's face it, everybody is following your Twitter, and so they bloody well should. Uh, where can people find you on the social network? Uh, the account is called Proper Football. The uh, Twitter handle is at Sid underscore Lambert. But don't get in touch with me for the next three or four hours because I've got to text Tony Daly and tell him he hasn't made it. Let's <laughs> hope he doesn't wreck Only ho- by text. Only by text. Yeah, who are you? Let's hope he doesn't Heartless. wreck a hotel room somewhere in Birmingham because he's, he's still with Wolves. He was at one point. He was the uh, fitness coach for Wolves the last time I heard. Um, thank you very much for listening. Please do pick your own 23. Let us know. Take a screen grab on your phone or get a piece of paper and a pen. Go old school. Take a picture and let us know who you'd have in your squad um, I haven't mentioned Old Barrett who I think is one of the most underrated right backs of all time Ryan Giggs says he's the one of the best he ever played against but he, he didn't make the squad either um, but tweet us who you'd make your squad at AK90s this has been Alive and Kicking I've been Ash Rose until next time keep it 90s Alive.